0: Mr. Rockford, you don't know me, but I'd like to hire you. Could you call me at... My name is, uh... N- never mind, forget it.
1: Welcome to 200 A Day, the podcast where we talk about the 70s television detective show, The Rockford Files. I'm Nathan Poletta.
0: And I'm Epidiah Ravishaw.
1: And I am still getting over a cold, so I <laughs> apologize for any, uh weird noises as we record this time
0: this is a uh, we it's only been a week since last we recorded so it's... yes
1: we're trying to make up for lost time a little bit mm-hmm. so the cold that was starting in our last recording <laughs> is finishing in <laughs> this one one quick aside as you're listening to this episode it is likely though I'm not hundred percent sure that <laughs> my Kickstarter for a new game will also be running I could not have made that game without watching so much rockford files. Uh, It is called The Big Store. It is a con game tabletop RPG where you play the cons running a game.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, So you are the the gyms and the angels.
0: And sometimes a roped in Rocky.
1: And sometimes the roped in Rockies. Running a game on, uh, some, you know, and the Richie Brocklemans, etc. Yeah. Running a game on some mark who has a bunch of money that they don't need. And also probably is a bad person and needs comeuppance. (laughs) Yeah, so it's a a role-playing game where you play the cons, you build your own con game, but it's very, it's structured by the way that we see these cons unfold in, in episodes like never send a boy King to do a man's job, or uh, there's one in every port. So yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes. There'll be a link on my website at ndpdesign.com. If uh, you are listening to this after that Kickstarter is over, it will be available for, you know, the general public once it comes out in a couple months. But of course, uh the support from Kickstarter guides me in how elaborate I can make the production and you know keeps keeps me going as a independent um creator in uh in this economy. In this economy?
0: <laughs> in this economy? Check it out.
1: Yeah. Pl- Epi's played the game and uh, I've enjoyed it.
0: He thinks it's okay. <laughs> My endorsement of this is check it out. No, don't check it out. This isn't for you. <laughs> this is something that you shouldn't look at. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give this up to you. I see. <laughs>
1: But yeah, here we are to talk about season one, episode 14, RLE Farewell.
0: Mm-hmm. This is a, a, a Nathan Poletta. Cho- uh, you chose this, although I, I did. But
1: <laughs> it was an easy choice. It was a, yeah. hey, should yeah. we just do this one? Because so the last episode that we recorded, say goodbye to Jennifer. Um, also season one episode, also a episode with a woman in the name episode. Yeah. Uh, but it was um, directed by Jackie Cooper, which led us to, as we do, how many more Jackie Cooper episodes do we have to do? And the answer to that was one, and that's this one. <laughs> so that's why we're doing this one. It's a wrap on Jackie Cooper. It's a lot of wraps on uh, in this episode. Yeah. We'll talk about those as they come up. But um, as we enter our final phase, as we keep saying, mm-hmm. we're going to keep <laughs> hitting these things where it's like, well, Wrap on that, wrap on that, because there's only so many left. If one wanted to, you could probably create some kind of mathematical formula yeah. to determine how likely it is that <laughs> oh. uh, any particular contributor is wrapped on any of our particular conversations.
0: If if IMDb were in fact a DB, <laughs> uh, th- there's a lot of fun we could do with this, but it's yeah. not. So <laughs> it's
1: more I am big spreadsheet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, uh, how do we do this? uh, It was a good episode. All right. We're done. Yeah. It is a good episode. We're season one still.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think in the last one, I said that I wasn't really sure what I expected, but it surpassed expectations Mm -hmm. in a way where like, that's not a dig. That's a celebration. Like I'm, I'm always happy for that. I feel like this one kind of hit that note for me as well.
0: Yeah. Um, Um, I agree. And I took a bite of my sandwich just before agreeing. So uh you can keep talking while I chew <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well yeah, so this one is, as we said, directed by Jackie Cooper, our final of his directorial efforts, and also we've already done both of the episodes he appeared in. So mm. this is a full wrap on Jackie Cooper. He directed Counter Gambit, our episode forty six. Say goodbye to Jennifer, our, I believe, 125, I think, is that episode number. I have not edited it yet, so. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, our last episode. Our last episode. In Hazard, number 31, the Italian bird fiasco, wow. our episode yeah. 61. Um, And then he appeared in Claire, uh, our one, episode 122, uh, recently. And he was also in The House on Willis Avenue, the uh, two-parter with uh, yeah. the good Richie Brockelman two-parter our episode 78. Um, I will say this one much less visually interesting than say goodbye to Jennifer. This is a much more straightforward yeah, episode um, of TV, at least visually.
0: There's a few montage
1: stuff. And there's a cool shot at the end when we start getting into the motorcycle sequence. There's yeah. some good stuff.
0: <laughs> the motorcycle sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's good to definitely be a standout from this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do not have a theory of Jackie Cooper director, right? Like
1: Right. And he directed a lot of TV, so Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit of a I don't know. I don't my my experience with Jackie Cooper is very specific. It's there's an episode of Columbo that he's in that I really like. <laughs> there's these episodes that he's in that I like. Uh I know he's in Superman and I've seen yeah. Superman. I don't really remember Superman.
0: He's he's the uh uh this is so bad. Not He's J. Jonah Jameson's D.C. counterpart.
1: Right, right. Well, why,
0: I'm he's a newspaper
1: got... guy. I don't remember. Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> but it, clearly his career spans much past mm-hmm. those bounds. But I don't know. That's what I associate him with. So when I, so if I see his face, I'm like, oh, Jackie Cooper from Colombo
0: <laughs> Yes.
1: But yeah, he's, you know, uh, I feel like he's one of those. I don't know. I feel, you know, he's he's primarily a character actor, but he's like a famous character actor. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like he's one of those guys that if you that like I I'm not going to be able to summarize his his career and do it justice really. Um, I don't really have anything novel to say. He was a child actor, which I didn't uh, know. So he was a contemporary with Shirley Temple uh, Ooh, as a kid.
0: That is trippy because I I mean like his old man face is the right most right recognizable that's the iconic part. face <laughs> yeah yeah.
1: And this is his entire IMDb bio is about this. He did recruiting and propaganda films for the Navy uh, and then ended up commissioned as a Navy officer. (laughs) And if you want to know all the details, you can look at his bio. But he ended up only behind Jimmy Stewart, the most the highest ranked (laughs) like entertainment industry person of, uh, of note. He ended up with a commissioned, uh, officership. I don't know how you say that a commission. Yeah. In his role with the Navy. And he also flew, uh, flew fighter jets, apparently. Um, so he ended up a captain. <laughs> he was a Navy captain by the time he, yeah. and he, he turned down an opportunity that would actually, he would, he would gain the rank of rear admiral, but he was concentrating on his directing. So he did not take it. I did not know that his bio, nothing about his entertainment career. Really. It's mostly yeah. someone who, whoever wrote it was very interested in his military career. Um, but yeah. No, I, I, I have a warm glow when I see Jackie Cooper. Yeah. I think he's I, fun.
0: Yeah, I agree. And uh, I think we both, well, we just said that we both enjoyed this episode, uh, so that'll be fun too. Yeah. Um, Perry, White. P- Perry White, Perry is the White, Perry White. Yes, of, uh, I only know that because I, I went over to his IVB. Mm-hmm. I should know it off the top of my head. I read comics.
1: I can see them behind you right now. Yeah, <laughs> this episode is a uh, again similar to our last one. Story by Roy Huggins, uh, credited as James Thomas James, uh, as this is his want. Teleplay by Edward Laxo. Apologies in previous episodes. I think I just always read it as Lasco, but his name yeah, is in it... fact L a k s o Laxo. Ed, Ed Laxo. Uh, I have some notes on him from our Claire episode, uh, which are primarily about how. So he was a produ He was a he was a writer um, and TV producer, and he ended up doing. He ended up producing Charlie's Angels. So he was. Mm. Uh, big Charlie's Angels uh, creator. And he has music credits for writing and performance most extensively on Charlie's Angels. But I was not able to find out what that actually means. <laughs> like if he was a musician uh, right. it, outside of TV or like what, how that process works.
0: Or if he wrote lyrics for one of the songs or something.
1: But this one is, so he did the teleplay and I think there are some good rockfordisms
0: Oh yeah. Ones. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I believe he did the teleplay on Claire. Uh, he also wrote the Italian Bird Fiasco, which was our episode sixty one, and he did the teleplay for Roundabout, which was our episode ninety six.
0: And so this is a wrap on him as well.
1: This is a wrap on him as well, and the second Jackie Cooper Edward Laxo collab because they yeah. were both. Um, The Italian bird fiasco.
0: We've said that now several times. I remember really liking that. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Right. That one's. Yes. I now remember how that one worked. There's the
1: the art dealer scam with the bird statues.
0: Yeah. That was good. That was a very good one.
1: It ends up with with Jim almost making money and then Lloyd's of London uh, insurance comes and claims they're due.
0: It's a good one. A measure of like the quantity of money that Jim could make. So the time it takes for him from having made that money to it taken away, there's there's a formula in there that mm. is like a, such a sweet spot for me that several of these episodes get just really <laughs> like, like, ah, you're gone. Yeah. Like, you can't have that. I mean, my favorite is I don't um the oil.
1: uh It's that culture culture City Wildcat. That one. I think that. I yeah. Think that's yeah. yeah. Where. Yeah. Uh, they're going to get.
0: $10,000 $10, or something like it. Like $10,000 a
1: day from yeah. like the oil <laughs> leases that Rocky got scammed into buying. <laughs> but then because of a processing technicality, he didn't actually buy them.
0: I love the Rockford Files.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of loving the Rockford Files, mm-hmm. we should uh, probably go ahead and talk about this episode. And as we usually do, we start off with the preview montage.
0: It was a emotional roller coaster for me. <laughs> Let me start with Bill Mooney. Mm-hmm. Um now I saw him and thought I recognize that guy. Literally paused it, looked him up, Bill Moomi. Uh this is not a rap on Bill Moomi <laughs> straight. Uh so Bill Moomi people will remember from Lost in Space. He was Will Robinson. He was Danger mm-hmm. Will Robinson, Danger. Uh people might remember him from deep space nine back when it was called babylon five (laughs) uh-huh uh Uh, lanier i think was the name of his character in that and if you're a very special kind of person who is familiar with the dr Demento show (laughs) and enjoy that kind of comedic song you might know the song fish heads which is now playing in your head Don't play drums uh, and he's part of the rock duo that wrote that song which is amazing uh, a storied career uh, along the same lines as, as Jackie Cooper <laughs> uh-huh. uh, didn't,
1: didn't achieve quite the rank in the military but
0: but otherwise uh, yeah a very a, anyways I, every time I see a Bill Mumy, I'm excited about a Bill Mumy, and uh, this is no exception however,
1: uh okay. he also did voice voice work in the Run and Stimpy show and Batman the Animated Series and Animaniacs.
0: See? Yeah. A storied, storied career. Um so I'm excited, it's a Bill movie and then because I don't know what's happening, <laughs> it looks like Rocky gets run over.
1: It really does.
0: <laughs> and I panicked. I was like, what and I was like, there's no way they murdered Rocky. I've seen him in later episodes. I was upset. I was like, this is not a fair trick to trick us into thinking that Rocky got run over. At this point, I think it's Rocky. It's not Rocky.
1: It's mostly just because there's a floppy hat. Yeah, exactly. The, the floppy hat in silhouette is really what yeah. does it.
0: And it just happens really quick. Bam. But I don't like Like I said, I, I hit that nadir of like, oh, no, Rocky. And then then they deliver the motorcycle cliff jumping. <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
0: And I got to tell you, Bill Mooney is Rocky in trouble. Motorcycle over a cliff, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they've hooked me earlier, faster, or whatever, but this one really it got me with three three good three good hooks.
1: And and in the middle of that, we see Robert Weber talking about political sabotage. So
0: yes, I was like, all
1: right, he's in
0: this one. <laughs> An All star cast.
1: two hundred a day is a one hundred percent listener supported show. Thanks to our patrons, in addition to our gratitude and editing access to the two hundred files file spreadsheet, patrons receive exclusive episode previews and plus expenses our bonus Just Chatting podcast about media, work, and life. An episode of that comes out before every episode of 200 Today. On top of that, every episode we say thanks to the gumshoe-level patrons supporting this episode. Brian Burnson has a Facebook page where he drives his Rockford tribute car to shooting locations from the show. Check out facebook.com slash Files. Join Mitch Hampton to examine all matters aesthetic and what it means to be human at the Journey of an SD podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Paul Townend recommends the podcast Fruit Loops: Serial Killers of Color at FruitLoopsPod.com. Dale Norwood wrote a book. Find Trading Freedom: How Trade with China Defined Early America wherever good books are sold, published by the University of Chicago Press. Chuck from WhatYouReading.com. Shane Liebling, you know his site RollForYourParty has all of your online dice rolling needs. Jayadon, who showcases amazing miniature painting skills over at Jayadon.com. Andre Apignani, Tom Clancy, Pumpkin Jabba Beach Pug, Dave P, Dave Otterson, Kip Hawley, Dale Church, Colleen Kelly, and David Nixon. And finally, special appreciation for the extraordinary support from our detective-level patrons. Joe Greathead, Michael Zalisco, Eric Antenner, Brian Pereira, Jordan Bockelman, Not Brockelman), Bill Anderson, and of course, Richard Haddam. If you're interested in keeping us going for as little as $1 an episode, check out patreon.com slash 200 a day to see if becoming a patron is right for you. And we start right off with our titles over watching some traffic and then the guest star Robert Weber over Mm -hmm. Robert Weber's head as we cut to him (laughs) driving his red Buick. We know it's a red Buick because later in the episode they talk about a Buick. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So this is. Robert Webber's first appearance in the Rockford Files, his last uh, on our show.
0: Oh, this is, is a doing that?
1: Robert Webber rap, if you will. A <laughs> Webber rap. A Weber rap. Um, he was in the Deep Blue Sleep episode, our episode 82. Uh, he was, of course, um, the Oracle, the titular Oracle yes. in the Oracle War Cashmere Suit, our episode 16. I feel like that would be a fun one to revisit. Yeah. Um, and never send a boy king to do a man's job our episode 79 the great two-parter uh, again with Richie Brockelman here he's i think i was saying he's a great antagonist he's 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 the antagon- he's the villain in the deep blue sleep and never send a boy king to do a man's job he's kind of jim foil in the yeah. oracle war cashmere suit and here he's kind of he's important
0: spoilers
1: <laughs> yeah yeah he's he is important but he's not dramatically uh critical does that make right. sense yeah he's, <clears throat> he's very important for the plot and he's fun to watch but he doesn't have he doesn't really have thematic uh interaction with jim
0: i think one of the good things about having him play this role as we'll soon find out is that uh i mean no he there's a natural menace to him yeah yeah <laughs> like that's a bad way of saying it but like so that we as the audience or at least I as the audience, uh, I'm suspicious of him before anything happens. Right. Like in this opening scene, I'm suspicious of him. Yeah, uh,
1: I'm, yeah, I'm coming to it informed by his other appearances on the show. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, exactly. oh, of course he's the bad guy. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, So we will see how that unfolds. But yeah, because it's, uh, it's he's one of my low-key faves. Yeah. So we have I think you mentioned there's some good montage work in this one uh, here. Yes. Yeah. We start off with the montage as we see him see someone hitchhiking. He very clearly double takes once he realizes it's a young woman who's hitchhiking, mm-hmm. decides yeah. to pull over. She's heading to L.A. Uh, he says that he is as well and he's tired of talking to himself. So he gives her a ride and we get a little bit of their initial um, dialogue. So this is the orally of our title, orally Benton Weber. So he is playing the character he's playing. There's, there's a little bit of a dramatic reveal, but the character's name is um, Murdoch. Yeah. He quotes the Edgar Allan Poe uh, oh. stanza
0: was many and many a year ago in a kingdom by the sea where a maiden there lived whom you may know by the name of Aura Lee. My apologies to Edgar Allan Poe.
1: The poem is Annabelle Lee and he substitutes Mm -hmm. Aura Lee. It's very cute. It's intended to be cute. Yeah it's intended to be cute. Uh,
0: There's an arc here uh, that I think is well done. It is. is, It feels feels creepy and awkward in the beginning Mm -hmm. and then they genuinely warm to each other as the, this passage unfolds. And, uh, I think it's quite nice. Oh, anyways, go on. I'm
1: yeah, yeah, I know you're, you're right. I mean, that's pretty much this whole sequence is, you know, we get this little bit of dialogue where they introduce themselves to each other, basically. And yeah. then the rest of this is a montage of, of, um, he, he asks her if she wants to get a bite to eat. He was planning to mm-hmm. stop to, to eat in Santa Barbara. And then we then have a, a montage that continues of watching them eating, warming to each other, starting to touch mm-hmm. more intimately.
0: Laughing at each other's jokes.
1: Laughing, but then having like a serious conversation. Uh, yeah. And then cutting to a sign for a for a motel with a <laughs> curtain in the in the <laughs> uh, room behind the sign being drawn closed.
0: <laughs> I wonder what's happening.
1: So first of all, this is pretty much all we see of orally or Oralee, depending on who's talking about her, <laughs> uh, who is played by...
0: Melissa Green.
1: Yes. Who does not have extensive credits, and this is in fact no. her, her final credited appearance <laughs> oh. in television. Um... Oh, she was in the, she was in Kolchak. First girl. (laughs) Anyway, but I was going to say, I think considering that almost all of her appearance is just facial expressions.
0: Yeah, great job. She does great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like I said, like this, this sequence here from the beginning of the episode to the closing of the curtains, (laughs) um, it's a good arc in and of itself. It tells a little romance, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, we know uh, from the beginning that this, is probably not a good idea, right? Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, there's not like, like he clearly is attracted to her, but it's not like she's attracted to him right off the bat or whatever. Mm-hmm. But again, very few lines of dialogue and mainly like a montage thing, but they just nail it. They just kind of like show how this natural progression towards uh, the curtains. <laughs> the curtains,
1: <laughs> that's right. Well, yeah, and there's, there's a sense, and this is kind of reinforced, with the rest of the scene. Um, so, maybe I'll just talk about that. So, we cut from that to them back in the car. And her saying, you're overdue somewhere. An anxious wife.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and he kind of, like, hems and haws. And she says, that it's okay. She understands. And, uh, and holds his hand. And yeah. there's this sense here of, like, when the scene started, I was kind of expecting there to be an element of like coercion or or something yeah, or like yeah. obligation that i would find off putting but there's something there's something to their chemistry where you yeah. feel like if he wasn't interested it would be fine nothing would happen yeah. Right. And she kind of knows what she's getting herself into. Yeah,
0: exactly. It is what it is. And none of them are holding any illusions, even though they were pretending to hold those illusions. They were having a
1: nice time, but neither of them is like, and this is the start of an incredible romance.
0: Yeah, exactly. I will. I will say, uh, let's see here. 51, 74, 75. So Mm -hmm. 24 years old just do just doing the yeah the the age gap 50, is he's, not he's great. twice her
1: age yeah <laughs> yeah it's not great i was thinking about that cuz there's like come i mean it comes up in this show but it comes up in columbo a lot too where there's like yeah much older men and younger women and sometimes it's like lampshaded like i know that people don't understand but we really love each other like that kind of yeah, thing yeah. and um it's just it's just this thing in tv that i think is slightly different like i think that's changed over time i don't watch enough contemporary tv to really know but this era there's like a lot of just like oh yeah men who are twice the age of the people that they are dating or married to or seeing or whatever that's normal
0: i will say uh so he was uh so hold on i'm doing a little math here 50 51 years old uh you're going to tell me that like Chris Evans is 51 or something? Uh, well, Paul <laughs> Paul Rudd is older than he is in this. Mm. Uh, yeah, Chris Evans. That's a good one. How old is Chris Evans? I oh, don't. No, Chris Evans is 10 years younger than this. But Paul Paul Rudd is the one that. Okay. So Paul sure. Paul Rudd is he's in his 50s mm. and he doesn't. No nobody thinks of him and he doesn't really get cast as in his. Yeah. Movies. Now that said. Robert Weber is a a solid 50s.
1: Yes. (laughs) There's an element of, yeah, people looked their age more in 70s television. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably true.
0: And we're going to get another one of these in a moment. Yeah. (laughs) So we should
1: just keep going. All right, so... We have a sudden spike in adrenaline as they kind of see another. It looks kind of like another person like hitchhiking on the side of the road. But then he just steps into the highway in front of their car yeah. and raises his hands like he's surprised. And it's our shot from the preview montage. It's clearly not Rocky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: I knew it at this moment. I knew it was not Rocky, but man. That but yeah, <laughs> he just steps into
1: the road and gets hit by this car. They of course stop. He runs, he checks, he, he says that the he's not dead. We need an ambulance. And then he tells R to stay in the car. Because she's yeah. like, You want me to stay with him? And he says, right. No, go get back in the car. Stay down so no one sees you. And then he flags down another car and tells them, Hey, keep an eye on him. I'm gonna go to the you know, I'm gonna go to yeah. the, the next place I can call an ambulance. Um he tells her that in his line of work he can't afford anyone to know that they were together. So he's going to yes. drop her off, ask if she needs anything, if she needs money and she, you know, she says she's fine, she'll be okay and there's another of that little sense of like, she's like, I mean, I don't know what else I expected, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, it seems yeah. about right. <laughs> uh, but then he goes into the phone booth at this restaurant, she goes to go into the restaurant and they have this significant look through the window that yeah. is more tender and kind of like, well, Time to say goodbye to all of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Whatever fantasies we might have spun about this evening that we had, but at least they were nice while it lasted. I don't know. There's something about, again, that look and how it's framed and their facial expressions where they did not have an entirely transactional relationship. It did
0: seem like there was some...
1: There was something there that was like,
0: oh, that was nice. (laughs) There's another thing about this scene that... Like, okay... We're primed for a mystery and murder and all that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, what's going to happen to her? This is going to be horrible. What's he going to do to her Mm -hmm. is largely what we're thinking. But throughout this exchange, not with her, but like, well, I mean, like she's involved in it. But throughout everything that's happening, he tells the guy, you know, the guy he asks to wait. He says, I hit a guy. And when he calls on the phone, Mm -hmm. he says... Uh, send an ambulance. I hit someone. Yeah. Like he admits to all of like, yeah, he's so, not trying
1: to like downplay or pretend. He's like, there was an accident. I hit someone.
0: Yeah. And I was, I kept expecting this hitting of the someone to be like, what sets everything up. And it just, it, it wasn't like he was doing the appropriate thing.
1: But we do end on the sudden explanation for his behavior where he calls yes. the accident, says where it is. And then says, this is state Senator Evan Murdoch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and again like so that's for the audience obviously right to tell mm-hmm. us why he's cagey about all this stuff but also it says something about his character and i like that like yeah that he he's like I am a public figure and mm-hmm. I, I was involved in this thing and I need everyone to know that right. I, like, y- I need you know. there
1: to be no sense that I'm trying to cover this up.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Plus you kind of get the sense that, you know, maybe they'll respond a little more, mm-hmm. you know, like affect- um, or something. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. It's a, again, I didn't know what I was expecting, but then my expects, my expectations were subverted. Yes. So I was exactly. like, exactly. Okay, cool. Let's see what's yeah. Now what? <laughs> so we cut from there to some groovy typography for Sarah's place, <laughs> which is a uh, like a little boutique run by yeah. the uh, this woman Sarah, um, Sarah Butler.
0: Not not just this woman, this bionic (laughs) woman. This
1: bionic woman. (laughs) Yes, this is Lindsay Lindsay Wagner, who I can see from IMDb, was the bionic woman. I have never... (laughs) This is before my time, so I did not have a visceral reaction.
0: I had the visceral reaction. And not only did I have the visceral reaction, but then I remembered... (laughs) Uh, So, spoilers for what will probably be our second to last episode (laughs) we'll see her again but this is the second time that the rockford files sees her Mm -hmm. and she's playing the same character Mm -hmm. which is uh fun
1: yeah she's she's in the pilot and again i've I've done my best not to know about the pilot because i think it'll Mm -hmm. be fun to watch it and be surprised. Maybe I'm setting myself up for failure. I don't know. It's a fun um, experiment. But because of how, of some of the stuff that goes on in this episode, I did do a quick check. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so the, the, the plot of the pilot is Jim helping her like solve the, the, the murder of her father.
0: And and they mentioned that in this episode, they mentioned that in
1: this episode, they mentioned it was a year ago and they also are clearly are coming off of, um, at least some kind of romantic.
0: It's a, it's a Rockford romance. Let's just, it's a Rockford
1: romance. Like they clearly have seen each other sometimes, but also she owes him money.
0: (laughs) You get the feeling. It's been, you know, I don't know how many years we've been with Rockford now, but it's not the women. It's him. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. And there's some good discussion in this episode about why it's hard. Yes. Dating Rockford.
1: Well, we start off with a very strong, um, a very strong play where Sarah <laughs> is offering Jim sardine sandwiches made to a special recipe. So we have a lot of banter in these mm-hmm. first couple scenes uh, as we kind of circle around the point and and what's going on. Um, but yeah, we get some of the a little bit of the background. There's a couple of components here. One is that she's finally paying him the rest of what she owes him for <laughs> the help that he for what for, for what he did for her last year. Yeah. Um so it's a check for $125. And he says that the first one she wrote bounced six times.
0: <laughs> by the time that dog cleared, it could get to the bank all by itself. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: But she says this one's okay. And so he's like, Okay, why now? Well, she mm-hmm. wants to hire him again. The other s- strand here is that she's made sandwiches and packed a picnic lunch to take him out to a nice fun <laughs> picnic lunch, not take him out to a restaurant for lunch, like she kind of implied when she invited him out for lunch. He says that if she can't afford if she can't afford a restaurant lunch, she can't afford to hire him. yeah, but she packed this whole picnic, and he there's a good joke in the cut here. I know a place where we can eat it okay before we get to that,
0: the yeah other yeah, other strand here set it up right.
1: <laughs> is that this is getting him back for the time that he invited her to dinner and then put a fishing pole in her hand.
0: Yes. So you had bass, and uh, I caught a... A flounder. Yeah. 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 They inhabit the very bottom. They cruise around the kelp beds like nomadic scavengers. I usually throw them back, but uh, since it was getting late, and I didn't have to eat it. But you really qualify as an enlightened man. I gotta give you that
1: the references to flounders will come back
0: later there's an implication here because like she there was something like and you didn't throw it back and he go he said well I didn't have to eat it so like, yeah. <laughs> not only did he put a fishing pole in her hand but they each ate what they caught right, right? like that that is those are the rules mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of fun to dig Jim
1: <laughs> but then yes our joke in the gut is that okay he does know a place where they can eat, a place that he'll even enjoy eating outside. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we cut to Jim setting up fishing poles on the beach. (laughs) Yes. And yelling at the ocean. (laughs) Come on, you guys, hit one
0: of these things, will you? There's a thing, there's another bit here that's like she was going to take them to something that seemed vaguely like a work event for her too oh yeah so She's was like,
1: like we're going to like a, a runway show or something yeah yeah she, yeah, she yeah. runs this
0: like clothes it, boutique yeah so yeah they neither one of them is, is is uh is great at this <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah um but yes he finally accepts a sardine sandwich has uh None of the fish are biting. And then you cut the crust off. <laughs> I like the crust.
0: You petulant. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but as she says, she's been very patient. Well, he listen to her? He's like, okay, fine. <laughs> she asks if he remembers Aura Lee. She worked in Sarah's boutique. She was there when you picked me up for the dream date two weeks ago. And he goes, oh, come on. That was a great fight. There was a fifth round knockout.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so good. But I, there's this implication here where it's like, They've gone on dates.
0: Yeah, yeah. More than one.
1: This is not her just coming to him out of the blue after, like, not seeing him Yeah, uh, Yeah, they have a good vibe. They have a good a good chemistry. Mm-hmm. But uh, Aurelie was found dead in her apartment. The police are calling it a heroin overdose. But Sarah knows that she must have been murdered because she never used narcotics. She refers to Jim Proving who murdered her father. So that's, you know, from the pilot. Well, I believe what the police believe. She's like, well, that's not the mm-hmm. position you took. You know, when you yeah. help me find out who murdered my father. Um, and she says that she can pay him. She has money and she fans out a bunch of hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> she found $2,600 in Orally's place when she was going through her, her, her effects. And she also found this cigar box full of matchbooks. There might be some kind of clue in there. Jim opens it and there's like a newspaper clipping of a, like a, a band, like a
0: underground railroads. Yeah. With the band. And yeah, I, I totally thought this was going to be important.
1: Right. And he's like, well, you know, if she was into this music scene, like there's lots of mm-hmm. druggies. It's not inconceivable. But Sarah says that Arlie was good, good to her and good for her. Mm-hmm. She wants Jim to find out what happened. He's like, you owe it to her, don't you? And she's like, yeah. And we end the scene with this understanding look on Jim's face as he acknowledges yeah. that, yes, he'll take on the case. But I think it <laughs> helps that he sees the cash in front of him. I think that certainly, yeah.
0: I I do also love, uh, I wish I had paid attention to this since the beginning. So it's a classic, uh, the matchbook, right? The, mm-hmm. the matchbook clue is a classic of a murder genre. Mm. Uh, or, or mystery genre, I should say. Sim- similar to
1: how uh, it's hard to have a horror movie or thriller with cell phones. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, without analog phones, it's hard to have a murder mystery without matchbooks.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, they show up from time to time in the Rockford Files. And I many times it feels like it's a really good joke, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this one was like, maybe there's a clue. And it's a box full of matchbooks. Like, <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. She collects matchbooks from every place that she goes.
1: Mm, how could there possibly be a clue?
0: Like, yeah, yeah. there's there's too much here for this to be a clue. Um, so, yeah, anyways, I just wanted to point that out.
1: On a, on a show that is written, this is one of those episodes that's pretty yeah, written. Like, pretty written. much all this stuff is going to come up again as something relevant. So, there's very yeah. little extraneous... Uh, stuff in this episode.
0: I like the comment about the employee benefit plan including catching (laughs) murderers Good stuff.
1: So where does Jim go when he needs to start an investigation? Of course to his good friend Dennis Becker (laughs) who says you're chasing your tail Jim and Jim's leaping through the folder but Becker is saying there's no case here. There's clearly an overdose. Um, There was equipment uh, that she used was well used and had her fingerprints on it. Jim counters with, well, she had no needle marks, that doesn't track. And this mm-hmm. is like, some maybe she decides to clean up, but needle marks heal. Then she has a downswing. Yeah. Boom. Goes to the big sleep or goes for the long sleep.
0: That's what he yeah. says. Yeah.
1: The report says that the cause of death was anaphylactic shock, which mm-hmm. may be like if she wasn't used to drugs in her system. Yes. And Becker <laughs> says, You're reaching uh and asks Jim whose money he's wasting <laughs> on this. And Jim says Probably my Probably own.
0: My own. <laughs> That's good. This is a solid Jim and Dennis mm-hmm. scene. It's very good.
1: Yep. Um, and yet, only the second best Jim and Dennis scene in the episode. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, there's a montage of Jim walking oh. around and interviewing people, showing them Arlie's picture, interspersed with this gags. Montage. Yes. there's a gag where there's some some youth who don't seem to want to talk to him until he agrees to throw the football around with them <laughs> then he leaves rubbing his shoulder uh and then we end with a gag of him trying like just walking down the street and this tiny fluffy dog starts <laughs> biting his ankle and he can't get away
0: i thought for sure that dog was in some way meaningful mm-hmm. but no uh, it's just good. Good stuff.
1: One thought I had was that this is a good like tradecraft episode. Yes. Kind of in like a low key way. Like there's yeah. nothing like, Whoa, like look at that cool thing he did. But there's a lot of like, Oh, this is just what he has to do. This is what, he, how he does investigations.
0: There's, there's um, comments. We'll get to them when we get to them. but there are comments that he makes that it's just like, no, th- this is just like, I don't have answers yet. This isn't, mm-hmm. I'm processing things. That's yeah. how we work. And throughout, there's a lot of like, um, yeah, just this is what we have to try. Mm -hmm. We have a box full of matchbooks. We got (laughs) to look at all the matchbooks, right? Like there's no magic trick here.
1: Yeah, but I'm I'm now realizing that this is part of his part of that. This is the part yeah. we don't see all the time, where he just strikes out on just asking people about someone <laughs> and occasionally gets bitten by a dog. Like...
0: <laughs> I, I love how love how persistent he is with the kids. As if, like, you know, like you would think, okay, we gotta write a scene where he's investigating somebody getting a drug overdose. Let's go to a seedy bar. Let's go to... Mm-hmm. He's he's out in a park with kids playing a pickup game of football.
1: And kids like 12-year-olds. Like
0: yeah, 12-year-olds. And he's like, <laughs> Look at this picture. <laughs> like, you didn't look close enough. But it's great. It's great.
1: Well, we do cut to Jim finally, finally striking. Well, he was striking out. So finally getting a hit, I guess. Yeah. Um, talking to a sidewalk artist uh, played by Bill Moomy. Bill Mumy, With an excellent 70s dropout beard <laughs> <Yes>. and glasses, <laughs> sunglasses uh, situation. He does recognize the picture. She lived in his apartment building. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hit on her a couple of times. Nothing Nothing happened. And that's all he knows. Jim asks if she was seeing anyone else. Uh, he mentions there's one dude with a car. And then asks Jim <laughs> if he's a cop.
0: Jim's <laughs> like, would it make a difference? <laughs> that's good. Um,
1: but yeah, she's he, she's dead. He doesn't want to get involved. So Jim has already made some cracks about his his uh, impressionist artwork
0: yes <laughs> uh, and he's
1: like i just paint what i feel man when he says he doesn't want to get involved jim looks at one of his big paintings and asks how much it is
0: uh 200 i'll uh give you 10 Deal. and he jumps yeah. up out of his chair to get it <laughs> uh so good
1: um this of course is in return for telling him about this dude with the car he says there's a big guy drove a fancy foreign car jim asks what model and i felt so seen Right, this
0: is so perfect. When this guy (laughs) goes,
1: I don't know, I'm not into cars, you know, materialistic (laughs) crap. (laughs) So he's Uh, established as the anti-Jim Rockford.
0: Yes, apologies to our fans who are into cars. Nothing wrong with being into things. (laughs) We in
1: fact appreciate that you keep us on our toes about it. But but, uh, yeah, so that's a funny moment. Jim gives him his card, tells him to give him a call (laughs) if he ever sees this car again. Maybe you can get the license plate number. And he starts walking away, and we end on a good... Oh, hey, you forgot your painting.
0: Well, not yet. But I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good.
1: All right, we go back to Jim telling Sarah that she owes him $100 for his time. The gas and the shoe leather are free. Uh, <laughs> she's like, what? How, you, you know, he can't stop now. He, he doesn't have anything to go on. He put up some feelers. He'll tell her if anything happens, but he can't take her money when he doesn't have anything to
0: follow-up now i just want to point out this this is i'm going to attribute this to jackie cooper Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say that uh he's got a wry sense of humor here Mm uh and like maybe maybe every maybe this doesn't mean anything to anyone but me but when he said i put out some feelers there is a giant painting of a giant butterfly with giant feelers right (laughs) behind (laughs) him.
1: i didn't notice that but
0: yeah nice uh so i just like i thought somebody did that right (laughs) like that was that my like set dressing might have. i don't know I don't know. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I just wanted to point that out.
1: Someone had to decide that they were standing there in that spot with that thing behind them in that shot. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And I just want to tell whoever that is, it was appreciated.
1: (laughs) Um, Well, Sarah has something. She has a letter that arrived Mm -hmm. for Oralee. That she opened, even though, you know, as Jim says, you know, that's a it's a federal crime. But
0: yeah, yes. <laughs> um, Not that Jim wasn't going to do that anyways. But yeah.
1: But yeah, it's a letter uh thanking RLE for all that money uh, and saying that this person would like to see her again if she ever came there, came their way. And it's signed Oscar. Sarah looked it up. Oscars is a cafe 50 miles up the coast. Uh, You know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe we should uh, do that. Jim asked if she had a car and Sarah says she was saving up for one, but then she said she lost all the, she lost all that money. Like she lost, because she lost the money for it or something.
0: Something like that. Yeah.
1: The the upshot is there was some, something strange where she was saving up for one and then she wasn't. And it was odd. The reasoning didn't seem to make sense. Uh, so said then mentions the place that Jim can take her for lunch after they check out Oscar's.
0: <laughs> Poor Oscars. Oscars would be a great place for lunch.
1: Well, they have the best soup, as we learned.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I do love this.
1: This is a good scene. So they go
0: to Oscars. Um part, part of the Rockford Files Everybody's a Character mm-hmm. characters. Yeah. This
1: guy's a a big everybody's a character character. <laughs> Henry Slate. Yeah. Oh, he's in Pete's Dragon. Hmm. Anyway. Um it yeah. says
0: Fisherman number two.
1: <laughs> so Oscar, uh, it's like you anamorphed uh, <laughs> uh, Rocky and, um, who am I thinking of?
0: Mel from Mel's diner.
1: Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just, I don't know. It's very funny. Um, yeah. so he's looking at this picture and he says, um, he says, maybe I can help you out.
0: It all depends. Yeah. on what
1: you got a portrait of Andrew Jackson. Maybe I could come across with something. Hey,
0: who knows? How about Lincoln? I'll tell you what. Make it a Hamel. What are you two talking about? Money. If you could make soup like you negotiate, this place would be packed. Thank you.
1: <laughs> and he says, look, the reason that there's no one there is because there is it, place is in the middle of nowhere, which reminds me of when Rocky opened his truck stop. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he makes Jim taste his soup. <laughs> to prove how good it is but yes he's willing to take a hamilton what's that a five
0: uh hamilton is a 10 Hamilton is 10 what's a five lincoln lincoln's, lincoln's a five
1: all oh, right washington's a one yeah. i was like lincoln's a one no i don't see cash it's it's 2023 yeah. i don't
0: see cash yeah who, who sees <laughs> cash anymore i for just a moment there i was like wait who's on the hundred but it's, it's all about it's the all about benjamins. benjamin's yeah i was recently handed a hundred dollar bill I sold some brag. Yeah, I sold some will spell to a a a retail store, and they paid me with like a a hundred dollar bill, and I was like, "How do I use this? (laughs) (laughs) What am I supposed to do with this?" Yeah, what do I do with this? What's going? Mm -hmm. So, I just wanted to explain that situation there. Mm,
1: That's in the business, we call that a humble
0: brag. Yeah, it's a little bit of humble. It's half a day's work. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) All right, so.
1: um, Oscar says that Arlie sent him twenty bucks as like a thank you after he treated her to some to soup and a sandwich because yeah. she dropped in. She looked like she needed it. Um, so they ask him, you know, interrogate him about the circumstances. Is about six months ago. Six months. It was about six weeks ago. Um, it was night. It's strange because she walked in, but the turnoff to the highway is like ten miles away or something. So, yeah, yeah. You know where did she come from? Um, he tastes his own soup and goes, damn, that's good.
0: I I love that. The, the story of the soup is this waiter comes out with two soups Mm -hmm. and he takes one of the bowls of soup away from the waiter and brings it around to Jim. So it looks like he's giving Jim a free soup and Jim tries it. But then like a little while later, he just picks up the spoon and eats his own soup. (laughs) And it's just, uh, it's just good. It's just great.
1: Um, so he got busy and she ended up leaving with, the, with, with lobster bisque there was a guy in the mm-hmm. corner booth who was having lobster bisque that's what he remembers midweek could have been any night definitely wasn't the weekend um, we then go to Jim's lead paying off where the artist uh, our street artist has given him a call apparently yes. Jim gives him another wisecrack about his art
0: you need a permit to carry a thing like this I told you I paint what I feel you must not feel well
1: He says he'll sell that one to Jim for 50 bucks. Uh, Why would I give you 50 bucks for that? Out of gratitude for the license (laughs) number I have. And Jim says it does have a certain gross charm. So they he he gets the license number gives him the money. But he does say and this is a chef kiss Jim Rockford line.
0: You realize, of course, if you're scamming me, I'll climb your easel and break all your brushes. Yes. (laughs) Good one.
1: Jim calls Becker for a favor to run down a license number. Why should he help? Because if Jim finds out who killed Lee, Becker will feel silly reading about it in the paper. This is the third best Becker, Jim.
0: This this is the one with, um, I'm trying to remember, I didn't put it in my notes, but he's very exasperated with Jim at this point. But this isn't the one where he gets more and more exasperated. No, that's the next one. One. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's the good one.
1: All right. So we then go to Jim in a cable knit sweater. Um, Yeah. Something that the police wear.
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this, this cardigan screams LAPD. (laughs)
1: <laughs> he's knocking on this door. So he's run down the license plate number. Uh, he's claiming to be LAPD L- Lieutenant Rockford. And he flashes a badge. <laughs> he's come to see Dirk Schaefer, who is in a hell of a sport coat mm-hmm. with a somehow the loudest white tie I've ever seen. <laughs> um, I made a note that apparently he was at home alone with his jacket fully buttoned, which I thought was very <laughs> was a strong move. He does say I was about to go out. So, yes. Yeah,
0: you get the feel that he's about to take off, but yeah. But I thought that was funny. Um,
1: we, we know that he's some kind of operator cause he immediately turns on a tape recorder behind his little yeah. bar while, and then asks, who did you say you were? Uh, so we get on tape, Jim saying mm-hmm. Rockford, Lieutenant Rockford, LAPD.
0: This is a, a reminder to all of us to keep a tape recorder within arm's reach at right. all times.
1: <laughs> um, he asks about Orly, uh, says that Dirk Schaefer, uh, he's the best bunko artist in city limits. What scam were you working with her? <laughs> Dirk asks, what's his point? She was murdered, and he's the only one they can connect her with. Uh, they have a little bit of tough guy-ish banter before Dirk kicks him out. He says, if you don't have a warrant, I have a lawyer who's an expert on police harassment. You better get out of here. Jim says, well, you he better, he better do his homework on murder one charges, because you're going to choke <laughs> on one. And then Jim leaves... And we get Dirk playing back the tape so that we see that he is noting the name Rockford, mm-hmm. Lieutenant Rockford. I guess Sarah's waiting in the, in the firebird, uh, asking what he got. He says he didn't really get anything, but he's your average clean cut bunco creep. And then mm-hmm. refers to him as a real brass cupcake.
0: Oh, uh, exquisite. <laughs> exquisite. I need to first figure out what that means and second use that. <laughs>
1: so good. Brass cupcake. Um, so he didn't really get anything definitive, but he's certain that Dirk Schaefer knew Aurelie.
0: Yeah, uh, the, the exchange there is a good one. They do this a few times in this episode uh, When he says he knew Ora Lee and she goes, he said that? He goes, no, I said that. Right.
1: Um, what do you think about this play of the LAPD for the Bunko artist? I do feel like this feels a little not the best
0: play. Yeah, not the best move. So uh, there's a few things that like makes this work different in the color of uh, or in the shadow of later Rockford's, right? Mm-hmm. Because who would be a good Bunko artist and not know about Jim? There's a sense that there's a lot of crime like, in the city. I mean, he's not famous, but like, yeah, yeah. I guess it's true. I shouldn't, I shouldn't do that. But yeah, I agree. Like, um, it's heavy-handed. Right. Right. You know, this guy see through it, he did. Right. But like Jim would Jim know that this guy would see through it. Mm -hmm. And then the other bit is, well, what would he do? Right. Like, so, uh, you know, sometimes we get these things with Jim where it's like, is nothing is perfectly crafted. It's, it's just going to get him there long enough to get something. And then he leaves. Like, I, I just, I love those scenes where he goes in on a con and partway through, it becomes obvious to the, the person he's, he's conning mm-hmm. that he's not, that's not what he's there for. He's like, oh, that's okay. I got what I need. Anyways. <laughs> it just walks out, you know, like that's, um, uh, so yeah, Jim was just here to size him up, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's not the smartest play. I
1: think. Yeah. I think maybe his, his read is like, this will be intimidating. Cause I know he's. Yeah. Doing underhanded stuff, but it turns out that he's not an angel. If he was an angel kind of right. character, this probably would have been more effective.
0: In this case would have been solved if he was an angel character. Right. We would—he'd have been done with it by now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just—it struck me as a little bit. I mean, it's—it's it's a fun scene and it clearly gets the yeah. plot going, but um, and it's important. I guess that he says that he's from the LAPD because as we've seen our next scene now, this guy Dirk has a bit of a, you know what the cops don't like is people pretending to be a cop. Yeah, Right. So <laughs> he has like a, a threat over Jim now. Yeah. So that's kind of important, but yeah, it just struck me as a play. I don't see him do very often and every so often it's like, hmm, maybe this yeah. wasn't the right approach, Jim.
0: I even wondered about it because it we'll certainly in a, in a bit, we're going to get one of our favorite things hmm. from the Rockford files is going to show up a little bit later, but I was like, wow, he's got a fake badge. I wouldn't have expected that of Jim. Mm. Like, I would think that that would not be a play that he did often enough to have a fake badge on hand or Mm.
1: something. We are going to take a little break in the middle of our episode here so that we can stretch, maybe get a beverage or a snack and talk about the other places that you can find us on the internet. Epi, if our listeners want more Epi, where can they go to get maximum Epi?
0: You can find... uh... Me at my website, diga 1000 that's dig1000holes.com, or you can get my sword and sorcery fiction and games at worldswithoutmaster.com, that's worlds plural, master singular. If you want to engage with me on the social medias, the best place to go right now is mastodon at epidiah at dice.camp. Nathan, if they want to get maximum Nathan, where do they have to go for that? I should have gone. Maximum Nathan.
1: Maximum Nathan can be found at my website, ndpdesign.com. That's the hub for all my stuff on the internet, including all my uh, role-playing games, zines, and other podcasts. Uh, So if you're interested in pro wrestling detectives Mm -hmm. or zines about pro wrestling, (laughs) among other things, um, those are all at my website. It also has links to contact me in other ways. Currently, I'm still um, posting on Instagram at NDPayoletta. That's where I'm posting pictures of my dog. Uh, you can also find me at co-host, NDP. That is a fun, small-scale social media site that I'm enjoying quite a lot.
0: And now we return to the continuing adventures of Jimbo Rockfish.
1: Well, that all said, it clearly did not work out because when Jim goes home, Dirk is waiting for him on the couch with his gun out. <laughs> still with his buttoned up sport coat they have a little banter lapd huh and jim's like so i lied
0: (laughs) yeah exactly
1: (laughs) but he says all right i'm going to tell you what i know um just so we're clear uh you know i picked her up on sunset boulevard once i liked her took her to dinner a couple times but she turned out to be a squirrel i'm not quite sure what that means (laughs) i mean from context yes but yeah. She said she had something going on that would make her a lot of bread.
0: Then she asked me if I could get her a couple of dime bags. Said she was getting strung out in the caper, you know? You didn't sell her any. Hey, pal, she asked me for it. There's a guy who owed me a favor. He slipped me a couple of dime
1: bags. I gave them to her. Jim asked Dirk, why are you telling me this now? And Dirk says, I have a lot of things going on. It hurts my business to have a fake cop snooping around. So <laughs> you better dummy up quick. And he has his tape recorder. <laughs> and he replays the Rockford Lieutenant Rockford clip and Jim just spreads his hands with a, you made your point. <laughs> so this I do feel is a nice like realism bit where it's, yeah. it's like this guy, I mean, we we will learn, shocker, we'll learn that this guy is willing to kill. But his read of the situation is I can scare this guy off. Right. Yeah. You know, I don't need to go to extreme measures that will be better for me than like coming after him with a gun right now. Right. Like that kind of yeah. thing. So Jim and telling Sarah what happened, uh, ask if he believed, if Jim believed Dirk and he says that the story held together, but he's a con artist. So I don't really believe it. <laughs> <This is laughs> some expert knowledge. It's time to go back to square one and go through all the stuff that, uh, Sarah reclaimed from Aura Lee's and specifically what's in that cigar box. Jim pulls out the underground railroad newspaper clipping again and asks about it and sarah's like i have like i've never heard her mention it you know mm-hmm. mention that band or anything but then he turns it over and on the reverse side is an obituary and this is where we get all that good banter about what's important
0: yeah sarah would you stop saying what does it mean and is it important i'm just thinking out loud why don't you just admit you don't know what it means because when you charge two hundred dollars a day, you don't go around admitting things like that. It's it's well written and well paced too, because mm-hmm. it's a lot of like he'll say something and she, she's like, what does that mean? And he's like, I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not giving it. I'm not James Gardner, <laughs> right? Yeah. Listen, watch the show. Sorry. <laughs> just watch just, just watch the episode. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I I it feels very genuine, right? Like it yeah, feels yeah. like yeah, yeah, like this is. This is what this process is like. You have to back off or not, not yelling at her to back mm-hmm. off, but like, we, we just got to work through some things here. We yeah. Don't like have a, I have to yet.
1: speculate about some things yeah. before I can know anything
0: definitive. He also refers to himself as a qualified 200 a day expert, which is another great right. line.
1: Yeah. No, it's good. It's like, he, he's letting her in a little bit on like how yeah. things actually work. All right. He calls Becker and asks, who's Boris Stank? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is the obituary. And here's here's the number one scene. Yeah. And Dennis just goes, why no? And I'm like, how does Dennis just know off the top of his head? But of course, it's because it was a high-profile thing because of the senator, right? So that makes yeah. sense. But yeah, he, he tells Jim he shouldn't give this stuff out. But then he, he gets increasingly frustrated Yes. <laughs> as he fills Jim in on the situation. He's the guy that the senator hit. They close the investigation when they determined he wasn't at fault. It was an accident. Um, he tells him where it was, and gets, and Jim gets the date, June fifth. Thanks, Dennis. Uh listen, Jim, you've used up this year's
0: supply of favors, and don't call for another one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and hangs up.
0: <laughs> so good. It is such a good. Yeah, the the escalation is um, it, it's subtle too. Like it's mm-hmm. not like a it, it's not like he gets up to like screaming or anything like that it's just like a nice short until he's like you know i don't know it's really good
1: jim then asks sarah the details of when aura lee started working for for her they determine that this guy boris danik was run over by this senator Mm -hmm. less than a mile from oscar's restaurant Two days before Orly started working for Sarah, yeah. seems like these things are connected. And she says, "Ooh, this ain't no flounder." <laughs> so Jim slides into Murdoch headquarters while there's some <laughs> kind of press thing going on, and just kind of sidles up behind Robert Weber while he's <laughs> facing some cameras. Uh, we see him get the license plate number from his red Buick. Mm-hmm. He just kind of sneakily starts whispering in his ear i need to i need to talk to you this is important and he gets brushed off you need to talk to my secretary i don't have time right now etc and he says would you like me to step in front of these cameras and ask how you know orally benton He gets (laughs) a little look and then he's like my office is upstairs i'll meet you in a few minutes we get a uncommon on the rockford files walk and talk yes (laughs) which i i appreciate i don't know there's this This unintentional resonance with kind of, you know, like West Wing style, like right, right, political drama, walk and talk. Obviously, this is presaging that, but it's, um, I
0: I think we could assume that that, uh, what's his face saw this episode and thought that I'm going to base an entire show on this. I think so. I think that's what we'll have, like, some sort of political people and they'll just walk and talk the whole
1: time. It'll be great. What
0: is his face? Uh, Aaron Sorkin. That is his face. That's the space.
1: <laughs> well, so here we get this situation where Jim just wants to know what actually happened. And the senator is playing defense because he doesn't want to say what actually happened for multiple reasons, but he also takes the position that Jim must be from his political opponent. So he's like, you can tell Dick Stockton that you're wasting, he's wasting his time mudslinging against me. I'm There's a, there's a bit in the preview montage where he's like, I'm in doubt, dirty as the rest of them. And Jim says, I guess he's the guy you're running against. Well, you're well informed. (laughs) I love their chemistry is so fun. They just like, they're like antagonistic clashing. It's just really fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he continues to deny that he knows orally, uh, Jim wants a straight answer or he's going to go take a theory to the police of he picked her up and then yeah. hit this guy and is trying to cover it up or whatever. Jim's a little vague about, like, his conclusions. I yeah. think he's just trying to get something. He's going to see what pressure makes the senator respond.
0: I mean, this is uh, probably another reason for why, okay, again, written, uh, why we get all the talk about, like, I don't have answers. I'm just spitballing. I'm still thinking out loud, right? Like, yeah, because that's what he's doing. He's just like, I'm just stirring things up and seeing,
1: seeing, seeing what comes out. Yeah. Yeah. The senator threatens Jim with his political connections. By the time he digs out of all the lawsuits, they'll both be too old to care. By now, Jim has gotten in an elevator. Uh, There was some business with someone coming out of the elevator and telling the senator he needed something and waiting for him later or whatever. So there's this open elevator there. Jim gets in and then goes, that might work, except for one thing. You don't know who I am. And that's as the <laughs> elevator doors close. Primo moment. Very mm. good.
0: Good, good.
1: Back to talking to Sarah. Jim doesn't mm. know what he's got, really. But the senator did drop that he was in Santa Barbara the night before it happened. Because he was like, look, all that happened, I was driving from Santa Barbara. You know, this guy stepped out in front of my car. Blah, 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 blah. So... So we dropped that he was in Santa Barbara the night before it happened. And they look through the cigar box and they find a matchbook with a Santa Barbara address (laughs) from the Seacrest Motel. We then go to them checking it out, and Jim is making business cards. Yes! There it is. It has been a minute since (laughs) we've seen a business card press. Oh, so good. And a classic the person he's with questioning him about his tactics and him explaining yeah. his tactics so that we know what he's doing.
0: Yeah. Fraud tax burglary? Which are we going to be? You really cover all the bases. I don't know. It depends on the guy. Probably taxes. People really get shook up when you mention taxes.
1: <laughs> Sarah, funny. I think I'd I think clam up. And he gives her her card. She's going to be his assistant. And yes. it's like State Board of Investigation fraud tax burglary. <laughs> He's going to be the boss. So this is a good joke here, right? Jo- kind of right. jo- joke in the cut-ish, where she says, I would clam up. And then we cut to, I don't talk to tax men. I did that once. Ended up getting audited all the way back to 1970. I think you better talk with my accountant. Currently,
0: we're assigned to burglary. <laughs> the pivot to burglary is good. So
1: he runs a line about tracking down a ring of car thieves or something. And yeah. they think that w- they've been using this hotel as one of their... Uh, like one of their spots when they're running their 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 thievery. Um, mm-hmm. But they got a break on one of the cards with a license number, so he wants to see if they have it on their file for the 5th or the 6th. And the guy's like, okay, you can take a look. Mm-hmm. So we go to them looking through the registration cards at the motel. I'm trying to remember, I feel like the last couple, not that I've been in a hotel regularly, but, you know, we have been in a couple of hotels but since the pandemic i feel like they stopped asking for license plate numbers
0: i, I guess it probably depends but uh, the most recent one i've been in i think did. did but i think that's like uh we're going to tow whoever it isn't on this list right. <laughs> from our parking lot more yeah. than this is for any other reason. Yeah. I feel like but...
1: it's this kind of vestigial yeah. thing for hotels <laughs> that sometimes, because like if you're in a rental or something, you're like, Oh, let me go get it. And they're like, don't worry about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not going to use it for anything. Right. But,
1: it's... but at this point is very important because yeah. we need to have records for investigators to go through.
0: <laughs> yes. yes. So a little something for your, your Jim Rockford's. Right.
1: They have gone through, they pulled all the ones with Buick's, sarah has called and they all check out as real people jim says he has these great lines about how people are creatures of habit and so sure he wouldn't have used his real name but people use their real first name and a different last name or they use their middle name or they transpose two letters so that they can claim it was a mistake if they're ever called out on it you'd be surprised how often you can kind of triangulate on the the truth But they do not find what they're looking for. Maybe what we're looking for isn't here. And Jim says, well, maybe or maybe someone took the registration card. What are we going to do now? I'm going to bluff. (laughs) Isn't that what you just did? And we leave that hanging as we cut to the senator in his Buick parking in a parking garage. And then Jim just kind of appears from around a column. (laughs) So one of the staffers got Jim's license number. So he knows yeah. that he's Jim Rockford. Um, and Jim says, that was a real clever move. <laughs> but Jim called him and said he had evidence and wanted to talk to him about it. So what ev- what, what fabrication have you come up with? Mm-hmm. So Jim claims he has the registration card and wants him to come to the police with Jim and explain everything he knows about Oralee Benton and her murder. So our senator now goes to... I was with someone, but I don't know who Oral Lee is. Right. So he's like, I still don't know who that person was. I was with a staffer and you know, it wouldn't be good for anyone if that information came out, but I also don't know anything about this woman and therefore about her murder. But he's like, okay, I see the shakedown here. How much do you want for that registration card? (laughs) (laughs) And Jim just, just snap comes back hundred (laughs) thousand. <laughs> are you joking? I only joke with my friends. <laughs> he says he can't come up with a hundred, but he can give him ten. Mm-hmm. If you didn't know Orly Benton, why are we dickering over a hotel registration card? <laughs> and this is when he says, "Okay, I was with a, one of my campaign staffers." Yeah, he and then he offers Jim ten thousand now and another ten after the election, and Jim leaves on a i'll call you and then he drives out they kind of have a significant glance and there's some good again a good facial acting on yeah on robert weber where i get the feeling where that's the the moment where he's like huh something is going on here
0: where jim instead yeah. of
1: going for it says i'll call you because yeah. like if he was really a, if it was really a shakedown he'd probably just go for it now right
0: yeah and the number the number is too too high right yeah jim Jim says a hundred thousand, not because he thinks he can get a hundred thousand, right. but because he doesn't want to get any money for a thing he doesn't have. Right, right. He wants to set the price high enough that the senator won't take it because he doesn't, li- literally, doesn't have the card to make the exchange. Right, and then uh, that's got to be suspicious too, right? Like, yeah. yeah.
1: So you get the sense that maybe he's starting to think about what is actually going mm. on here. Yeah, we have a good gym in bed another new shot of jim in bed i don't think we've ever seen this one through the doorway very good one with the phone on the ground
0: yeah it's on the ground at what seems to be the foot of the bed and he like flops over to to answer it it's good he's also not
1: wearing a shirt which is very Mm -hmm. rare he's usually wearing like a night shirt or a or a pajama thing or a t-shirt or like a, a, a undershirt I think this is the only time I've seen his unclothed upper body. Yeah. In the show. <laughs> but Sarah calls. It's early morning. Did you see the papers? Senator Murdoch killed himself last night. They found his clothes in his car at the beach and they're looking for his body. Uh, we go to the beach uh, where I guess they're checking it out for themselves. We <laughs> do see police, you know, conducting a search. Uh, Jim tells Sarah about their conversation, but says that the senator didn't seem that worried. And I told him I call him. So he had an out. Why would he kill himself before I call back? Like, I pushed him pretty hard, but that seems, this seems extreme. And Sarah's like, well, he must have been murdered. Jim has a soft, like, I don't want to jump to conclusions.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And Sarah's like, we both
0: know he must have been murdered.
1: That's the only thing that makes sense. And Jim's (laughs) like, okay, fine, you're right. I do
0: think that. (laughs) This is a a mirror of the earlier one where the thing is like, I didn't say that. And she goes, yeah, you did. Okay, okay, I did.
1: So Jim wants to go to Dirk Schaefer's and do something he doesn't want to do. What's that? (laughs) Break and enter. (laughs) And then we have a ominous motorcycle appearance on the like bluff over them as they leave in the Firebird. Been waiting. Been waiting. Yeah, we go again, just a little tradecraft element where Jim makes a phone call to Dirks to make sure he's not there before he goes up. Picks the lock, slowly moves through the space, looks through a box, doesn't find anything. Then he does find a pair of shoes with sand on the soles. Mm And then he finds a Polaroid of Dirk in a drawer. So I guess the guy has a picture of himself. Awfully convenient. Okay.
0: I keep it in a drawer.
1: And then he looks under the drawer and finds the registration card stuck underneath. Yeah. Uh. And has a smile of triumph. There is something about these shows and having picture people having pictures of themselves, which is very funny. Like this, yeah. again, this happens on Columbo all the time, where like guys will have pictures of themselves on their desk and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> so for us, we know we can we can attach a, a space to a person, right? Like that's right. why we have right. that. But I'm like in real life people have pictures of like, if it's them, it's them and someone else generally. Right.
0: Yeah. It's like, it's them and on a yacht with a friend or 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 them
1: with their partner or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not just a headshot of themselves. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But they need a picture of this guy for the next uh, plot beat. But he also significantly finds the stolen registration card. We go downstairs, our firebird exits pursued by motorcycle. And then we have this great helicopter shot, Mm -hmm. overhead helicopter shot of the motorcycle following the firebird as they go down like an access road and then onto the highway. And there's a little bit of voiceover about uh, uh, after the police arrest Dirk Schaefer they'll find out the whole story but there's something that they have to do first to make it all all come together but yeah this was the kind of what i mentioned there was like some memorable motorcycle stuff this is the beginning of that i think this, yeah, this yeah. shot is very uh memorable they do go back to Oscar's Jim wants him to to pick <laughs> out uh lobster bisque out of these pictures and they haggle to haggle to a hamilton <laughs> for this one uh sarah says come on jim it's my money <laughs> but yeah so he points out the guy that orally left left with and sure enough it is dirk schaefer so now they're back on the road going to the police we see the motorcycle still in pursuit and we get a good classic jim theorizes in order to tell us what happened <laughs> so the senator picks up Orly. yeah they have the night together she's there when he hits the wino she goes to oscar's She gets picked up by Dirk Schaefer at Oscars. She innocently tells him the story of like, oh, this crazy thing happened to me. Yeah. Schaefer sees the story in the papers about the senator hitting, you know, being in this accident and puts two and two together. Shakes down Murdoch. Um, so now he's blackmailing Murdoch about it. Probably gave her the 2600 bucks so that she would owe him or so that she wouldn't leave town. Yeah. Something to keep him, her attached to to him. Then maybe she figures out what's happening. Says she'll go to the cops. He kills her. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Jim comes around, the senator finds... The senator realizes that Schaefer must have killed Aura Lee, because otherwise, why would this guy keep asking about this woman who died? Right. So he goes to Schaefer to end the deal, because now he doesn't have the leverage anymore, because she's the proof that he, you know, that's actually what happened, right? So she's dead. Yeah. He doesn't have proof. Goes to Schaefer to end the deal, and then he gets killed. <laughs> seems like a bad thing to tell this guy that I'm going to the cops. Yes. But then the Firebird starts having some problems, starts slowing <sighs> down. Uh oh!
0: We know how this pans out.
1: We have another shot of an ominous motorcycle. Jim goes under the hood. The carburetor suddenly full of junk, right? Something yes. like that. Yeah. yeah. And that's when the motorcycle comes by, and there's a shot, and we enter our motorcycle chase scene
0: for for a cold hard hard killer, which he probably isn't. Like this guy's probably. Uh, well, I, I guess he killed her to make it look
1: like an overdose. That's pretty cold.
0: That's pretty cool, yeah. So anyways, the point is, he's taking a sloppy shot here. <laughs> yeah. He's coming down pretty fast on that on the motorcycle, and just takes, but that's fine. Mm. So Jim's on the run.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this area is really interesting. So they're kind of on like a rocky bluff overlooking a beach. So there's a lot of terrain involved with going yeah. up and down, through rocks, um, keeping Sarah out of can sight.
0: it, though. She's biotic. She can definitely <laughs> handle it.
1: No surprise, the motorcycle guy is Dirk, oh, wow. and he's going back and forth along the top, trying to get a shot on them, and they're trying to avoid him and everything. There's good, good cat and mouse, physical, yeah, physical gamesmanship. There's a moment where they're underneath kind of this archway of rock, and you, we see that Jim puts together a plan. Uh, so he has Sarah count to thirty slowly, and then starts screaming, and then he climbs up the rocks, manages to pop up behind Dirk as he's looking over the side trying to find them to take a shot then he hears the screaming so that attracts his attention he tries to get to where he can see her screaming and that's when Jim sneaks up behind him I'm expecting tackles him
0: yeah, right. You know, yeah.
1: grabs no. his, grabs his arms and throws him sideways, something like that. But no, Jim's he, smarter than that. <laughs> he reaches underneath and pulls what I I don't know how motorcycles work. I assume the throttle. Yeah, he pulls something <laughs> that makes the motorcycle go forward. Yeah. <laughs> and so, since Derek is sitting on the motorcycle, he also goes forward, hurdles over this cliff does like a, a, a flip in the air and <laughs> lands on the beach. And then we cut down his helmet. The visor has rolled up or broken off or something. Yeah. And it is of course Dirk Schaefer. And then we cut to you. Don't worry, everyone. Jim's not a murderer. Yeah. Dirk Schaefer is going to live, huh? Yeah. If you call 20 to life living. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this final scene. First of yes. all, the incredible crew neck sweater that he's fishing in. <laughs> yes. Remember in our last Our last episode, I think I mentioned that there was a lot of like red shirts, like a disproportionate amount of men wearing very bright red. Mm -hmm. Little did. I guess that one happens after this one. Um, Yeah. So this was just the entree. into that. (laughs) If I can share this with you. Oh, good. But it's a long sleeve crew neck red sweater.
0: Loading. Loading. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good. Good stuff.
1: As Jim is casting, they're at like a river or something. He's fishing. Sarah's sitting with a picnic basket. So we're circling back to the, you know, our, mm-hmm. first, our first scene here. Um, she is telling him that he missed his calling. He should be on a tuna boat. And they have some <laughs> banter about catching tuna is too easy. <laughs> um, and then she says, do you want to eat these sandwiches or break them up and use them for bait? This must be her sandwich. There's no crust. And then Jim pulls out the other sandwich. Also, no crust. No crust. But he likes the crust. She must have forgot. These two. These two. Sarah says that they make a good team. They're two for two. That must improve Jim's (laughs) average. And Jim says, well, on his own, sometimes he gets lucky and solves something. We uh, segue into the more romantic part of our scene where Jim says that he's ready for dessert. And Sarah leans over and gives him a, what I term a juicy kiss in my notes. (laughs) It's
0: not bad at all not exactly what i had in mind oh i want to get back to that you understand it's just i think we ought to uh, square accounts it it's not that i don't trust you sweetheart it's just well in the past we have had our little problem right yes
1: <laughs> so she hands him like an envelope and yes. he smiles because it looks thick <laughs> and then he takes out a card which is one of my new all-time favorites Um, I'm going to
0: send you these. One of those, sorry, I missed your birthday cards.
1: It is, yeah, this little angelic cherub that says, I'm sorry. And then Jim opens it and I forgot (laughs) your birthday is crossed off and I don't have your money is written. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Oh, so good. And Jim just says, cute card. The police took the money. Turns out if something was gained by extortion, it doesn't. You know, you can't keep it. Yeah. And she has a good line. It's kind of like finders, keepers, losers, weepers. And we're the losers. <laughs> <laughs> How are we going to pay me? Installment plan like last time. And then she leans down and they have another passionate kiss. They separate. And Jim has a big smile on his face and says, I want the pink slip to your car.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Freeze frame. End of episode. <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect ending. I know why these two don't get together.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Though I would, I'm kind of like, I wouldn't, I mean, I guess we'll see them again for the first time eventually. Yes. But um, I wouldn't have been surprised if she ended up coming back a couple more times.
0: There's a, there's a trivia bit on IMDB that suggests that, uh... They were looking to make her a reoccurring role throughout the series, uh, but her contract with Universal was soon to expire. Mm-hmm. Then she did the Bionic Woman, and that ah. took off. Yeah. Huh. So, uh, if, if trivia sections on IMDB are to be believed. Right. It would have been interesting. I, they probably, I don't know if they would have done Beth, like, if that were the case. Right, because this is
1: parallel. Beth's in the show. Like, yeah. we also have Beth, so there's there's only room for multiple recurring yeah. love interests. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I think their chemistry is really nice and a little different than Jim has with Beth or that Jim has had with anyone else. There's a little bit of depth to it that I appreciate.
0: The, the age gap, it's not as bad as Robert Weber and Ora <laughs> Lee, but it's, it's like so, only, yeah. it's like five years, young, like five years less than or something like that. Mm. And I, I did the math early on, but um,
1: I'm not sure how different that is from any of the other,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Parents. Like we haven't we haven't been doing that with any of them, so it yeah. doesn't doesn't quite matter. But uh, yeah, I yeah, they have very good chemistry. I like the um, it, antagonism is too strong of a word because he's definitely had more antagonistic relationships um, with people in general and with with mm-hmm. love interests in particular. But like you know, the fact that she can't pay him uh, and that she's kind of like playing for becoming a partner in his yeah, his yeah. job. Yeah, that, that it would have been fun to see that play out like in another episode or mm-hmm. two, right? Like something just a little more of like um,
1: I I can see there being another episode where like she ends up either like getting like married or something, or she ends up yeah. moving, or like she ends up in a state where it's like and now she's out of the picture for some reason, or she ends up being like Rockford, I can't do this with you anymore. Yeah, I I can see there being kind of a little trilogy, kind of like with um uh Megan.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: a bit of a and now we're done mm-hmm. uh, uh, vibe that we're not going to get here. And obviously it's not going to happen. But that's all just extrapolating out stuff that is not in the show. Um, yeah, this is, I think, like I said before, this was a surprisingly fun episode. Again, not because I have low expectations of the show, but because I didn't really oh. know what to expect. Nice and
0: tight for the most Very part. Very tight.
1: Yeah. There's a couple things where they make sense for the narrative that they're telling but mm-hmm. my sense of jim as a character is a little there's a little discontinuity but again early like first season
0: yeah yeah er, it's early fine. Rockford.
1: but yeah it's very tight i think without feeling uh without feeling artificial
0: yeah yeah but there's uh like maybe one or two spots there's a man if i if i knew more about this mathematical theorem <laughs> i could make this draw this very nice parallel but there's this there's this mathematical theorem that's uh about you know what let's ignore it for now maybe maybe i'll learn more about it and it'll come up we can again bring it up it's, next time yeah it, it's just this thing like if you have a ball if you have a sphere mm-hmm. and you have a bunch of hair on that sphere uh you can't brush all the hair in one direction like one hair has to stay out of place it's there's mm-hmm. just something and i can't remember what i'm this is why i'm 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 hesitant to use it because like like I can't explain what the exact thing is, but it's like it's proven that it cannot be perfect.
1: There's no shape that you could sweep around a sphere that would put yeah. everything in
0: the same direction, right, or something like that. And uh, I feel like murder mysteries are the same. Like there's you could do everything you can, but there's g- going to be a a, a moment of convenience. Yeah, to just to, to know, make it work. Yeah, 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 to snap things into place for sure.
1: It's just how those moments are handled, and as per usual in yeah, the show, exactly. they're handled well generally. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The soup guy, Oscar, the soup guy, is uh, oh, so good. <laughs> is fun. Um,
0: uh, Robert Weber was great in it.
1: So he, the little trivia on his, so his character. Well, it's not really trivia. So he's in this episode. He dies in the third act, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, he's in the deep blue sleep where he's kind of the... He's like the crooked business guy. He's not really mobbed up, but he's like... Right. He's, he's running his own kind of business, like underhanded business empire. And he gets killed in the third act. And so in the Oracle War a Cashmere suit, they were actually going to originally cast... Um, The guy who ended up being the prosecutor in.
0: Oh, yes. So help me God.
1: Um, Yes. The voice of Kit. Can't remember his name now. Anyway, he was originally cast for that role. He got injured on the first day of shooting, apparently. And so they recast it into Robert Weber. And that broke his streak of being.
0: Murdered. Murdered in the third act of the the show. (laughs) That's good.
1: Uh, Yeah. It's a little fun thing there. Anyway. Yeah. He's great. I love his chemistry with Jim. Um, Good Dennis stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good episode. Good episode.
1: <laughs> a little less unique on its own merits mm-hmm. versus um, Say say Farewell to Jennifer, I think. Just because we we were doing them kind of as a thematic pair. Yeah, yeah. Because um, that one has that whole noir influence that's very strong and memorable. And also I, Jim Goes Out of Town and, like, and yeah. Hector Elizondo's in it. Like, there's a lot of stuff on that one that, like... Really, is sticks it in my memory, and then this one is like real solid. I, I was surprised with how much I liked it, but I, it's not as much of a departure from the overall right. Rockford Files deal
0: since its first episode. We oh. can call it foundational.
1: Foundational, I'll call it. <laughs> I mean, this is probably a little more in line with later episodes than some of the other first season ones.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. In fact, if you showed it to me and asked me what season it was <laughs> in, I would, I would. Not guess first. Yeah, I don't think. I, I'd be, I don't I'd know if I would pressed. be good at that game, anyways. So know, it doesn't I, really.
1: <laughs> I would. I would have to go by like cl- like costuming cues.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Because he has his his like red and his red and blue striped shirt. That he wears a lot in the first couple seasons is in this episode. A couple other things.
0: Anyway. I mean, if we were car, if we were car people, <laughs> we would be able to nail it on which Firebird he has.
1: It's a good one. If it popped on, I'd be like, oh, yeah, we should watch yeah, this one. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, goodbye, Jackie Cooper. Goodbye, Edward Laxo. Goodbye, Robert Weber. Goodbye, Lindsay Wagner.
0: <laughs> and, and orally farewell. And
1: orally farewell. I guess it's time to really start digging and finding those last, uh, finding out yeah, what the, we're going to do. <laughs> it feels like there's only a couple left. So. We're getting there. Yeah, we'll, 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 do a status report, uh, probably in our next episode or two to, to, so that everyone knows what we're in for over the next, I don't know, year.
0: Yeah. Somewhere
1: somewhere <laughs> like that.
0: Depends on how much life intercedes.
1: Right. But that all said, we will, of course, be back next time with another episode of The Rockford
0: Files. Rockford. Lieutenant Rockford.